are delighted to have Brother Cody Marks here. Brother Marks is one of the preeminent evangelists in the world today. And we have been very, very blessed by our continued friendship and his relationship with Cornerstone has. We have been the beneficiaries of Brother Mark's ministry so many, many times. In fact, if you have been blessed at all by the ministry of Brother Mark's, I want us to praise God right now with a hand clap of appreciation. Just a one-of-a-kind evangelist, and we are so delighted that he's here. Um, we want him to come. I absolutely assure you that if you're visiting with us here today, you will be greatly, greatly blessed. One last time, let's put our hands together under the Lord as the man of God comes in Jesus' name. Thank you, Bishop. Praise the Lord, everybody. You don't have to be in Spokane long until the spirit of the shepherd falls on you. I was asleep by 9.30 last night. <laughs> I don't know if I have ever uh, been asleep at 9.30 on Saturday night. But um, it lasted for, uh, I guess, four hours because just right after one, I woke up and um, I was up a few minutes and um, there were two things that came to me one I will mention while I'm preaching the Lord has given me something very specific very 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 specific to preach here today um, one I will mention now just a few minutes after being up somewhere between 1 and one thirty, it was just like it popped in my spirit that if if God if God can use gold to pave the streets in heaven, he's got the gold to pay for that school. If God, if God does road work in heaven with gold, God's got the gold for the rest of this project. And you know who he's going to use? He's going to use you. Well, I see two or three bouncing their hand a little bit. I said, you know who he's going to use? He's going to use you. God can't put money in a clenched fist and, and the blessed people here 
that are the biggest contributors in this church will tell you that they've been able to contribute and they they go from glory to glory not because their fist has been clenched God's not going to put anything in a container God uses conduits and so it's that open hand policy that God can trust and so for whatever that's worth um, I still believe if he can put a coin in a fish's mouth and cause a ram to be caught in a thicket that God's got the finances to finish what we've started here do you believe that tonight or this afternoon clap your hands and thank God for it if you believe it And when you start talking about money, people get nervous and quiet and everything else. And so it's such a tremendous honor to be here. Um, there's so many things that um, I could say. Um, I think um, the Mayos probably feel like I'm biased, but I... Um, I may be biased, but I'm, I'm very, very, very honest. And I don't say things out of obligation. Um, but this, this place is very, very special. And God has, this says something about you because God's given you his best. And God is not going to give his best to less than best. And so um, I feel like that I am, and, and I'm humbled to be here a part of today, a part of the greatness that makes, this is a great house. This is a great house. In fact, Brother Mayo, someone the other day, and, and this will resonate with you, someone young who is upcoming, he's very gifted, was talking to me about the glory days of Modesto and that may ring a bell with some of you uh, the 90s, late 90s early 2000s maybe back further than that I, I became acquainted with it in the late 90s um, and this young man was asking me about that and, and almost as if he was uh, pining for something that came and went and I stopped him and I said do you know that that spirit still is very much alive and well in Pentecost and he looked at me kind of funny and I said absolutely I said um, uh, Cornerstone and Spokane Washington they're, they're in that kind of revival and they're perpetually in that kind of revival and so I honor your pastor and his wife and this great church. And this is one of the great churches in Pentecost. And these are some of the great leaders in Pentecost. Would you just give the Mayos a hand one more time? Praise God. Amen.
I'd like to turn your attention to the, jo- the book of Joshua, chapter 9. I'm going to read a verse or two there and then flip over to Joshua 10 and I'll read a, f- a verse or two there. Again, the Lord has given me something very, very specific. Um, in fact, um, yeah, just very specific. And if I could say it um, this way, um, I believe the Lord's going to, I believe he's going to take care of some things today. I believe he's going to handle some things. Amen. And I believe that when we leave here today, it's going to be resolved and fixed and intact. Amen. I didn't come here to play church today. I feel good. I got the Holy Ghost in my heart and Cornerstone Coffee in my veins. Praise God. I'm feeling good right now. Hallelujah. Jared and Ari and Brave and my future nieces and nephews. Hey, I'm just, uh, might as well. If they're, hey, if you have kids that cute, you ought to have about 10 of them. Praise God. Amen. I love them, and um, you know this. And they've told me this, and I don't doubt it, um, the hard work and labor that they have selflessly, the time that they've invested to help many of the rest of you to get into this building. And um, I honor them and thank them and appreciate them very, very much. And this is biased, okay? Hands down, this is biased. You guys are very blessed to have them here. Praise God. Joshua chapter 9 and verse number 14. And the men took of their victuals, victuals is how we say it in Oklahoma, and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. The paraphrase version, the men of Israel looked them over, accepted the evidence, watch this, but they didn't ask God about it. Joshua chapter 10 and verse number 12. Now, I got a few things to tromp or trudge through here today. But this is going to end very positive and very high. But you're going to have to you're going to have to ride with me this morning. I got I have to speak to some things in in the Holy Ghost. Verse twelve. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And Joshua said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still. Moon, stand thou still. Look at verse 13. Do you, do you love the Bible? And the sun stood. And the sun stood still. How they can remain atheists and agnostics, I don't know, but go, go to the 
There's a fifth gospel. It's called Google. If you don't believe this, go Google this. Scientists still are going, we can't explain this, but there's a day missing in the universe. Well, come talk to us. We'll tell you where it went. And you won't be an atheist anymore. I know exactly where it went. And the sun stood still. Now, uh, I know the gear you're used to seeing me in, but I, I'm not, listen, I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm, I, I'm not here today to hear any whiny baby excuses of how big your problems are. I've got one response to all of your little problems that the enemies convinced you that God can't do anything about. And the sun stood still. I'm here to work. I got one service. I'm used to two or three or four. So I'm just going to pour it all into one. So if you make me work, that's fine. I'm here to work. But I'm, I'm not here. I don't want to entertain that. I don't want to listen to that. You're crying, complaining, belly aching, fussing and cussing. I got one phrase for you. And the sun stood still. What are you saying? Well, I'll tell you what I'm saying. If God can make the sun stand still, God can fix your problems. God can turn your situation around. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. God can fix your marriage. God can deliver you. God can give you a new mind. And the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. But I, I, I left the part out, and before you're seated, I want to take you back to it. Look real close. This is so important. I want to lift this for text. Verse 12 again. I left this out on purpose. Look. And then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when... In the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Look, son, stand thou still upon Gibeon. Upon Gibeon. I want to preach this afternoon for a little while from this thought. Even on Gibeon. Even on Gibeon. This is a, the sun standing still is a big deal. When I get finished, you're going to understand that's even a bigger deal that it stood still over Gibeon. Even on Gibeon. Turn and look at your neighbor and tell them that even on Gibeon. Give the Lord one more good hand clap of praise. Somebody put your voice with it and shout. You can be seated. Now, if you'll give me your minds, lean in. The first few minutes of this very, very important because it, I'm going to attempt to give you the, the backdrop or a little bit of the narrative 
in order for us to ascertain what I feel like that the anointing um, has for us, the Holy Ghost has for us here this afternoon. God's obvious hand is upon his people. We see this as these folks make their way around the walls of Jericho. One time for six days, seven times on the, on the seventh day, scholars say they believe it was upward to seven miles around that wall one time. Now you do the calculations. Um, after all those miles on the seventh day and the seventh time, there was a shout. And the Bible says that those walls fell flat. I think it was then that the people of Israel began to realize that, or some, at least some of them, that God's favor in his hand was with them. We know from the spies that went into Jericho before this, we know that the adversary realizes and recognizes this because the Bible says that they found a woman there um, who lived in Jericho who housed the spies. And if you go back and you read, she began to tell them, we, we've heard the stories about you. In fact, I don't have time to preach this, but I feel like there is enough suggested in the scripture that it's at least plausible that uh, Rahab was letting them understand part of the reason for the fortification of these walls because of you. And we knew you were coming. So the adversary or the, the other side recognize this, and, and it's obvious. The walls come down. Uh, there's a little hiccup with Achan uh, at Ai, but eventually God gives them Ai, and everything is just rolling along quite nicely. Joshua chapter 8 ends after the victory of Ai, and this this is very, very, very important to where we're headed. Joshua chapter 8 ends with the victory of Ai. And I don't know what your Bible says, but there's a heading in mine that talks about the commitment or the altar of commitment and consecration that at the end of chapter number 8 of Joshua that was built there by Joshua. Joshua 8, verses 30 through verse 35 um, tells us about this altar that was built. And the Bible tells us that not only was there a, an altar there built, but Moses and what Moses wrote upon the stones, a copy of the law of Moses, all of this was brought up and discussed. 
and even read according to verse number 35. It was a time of consecration, and chapter 8 ends. So they have Jericho under their belt. They have Ai under their belt. The adversaries convinced that God's with them. I think they're starting to wake up and realize that God is with them. And then we get to chapter number 9. Now, I want you to stay with me. This is very important. Chapter number 9 Verse number one tells us that there are all of these kings on the other side of Jordan that recognize the power behind this force. And the Bible says that the Hittites and Amorites and Canaanites and Prezerites and Hivites and Cellulite and, Je no, I'm sorry, Jezebites, These people recognize that something has to be done to stop this force, this snowball, this snowballing of, of favor and conquering by God's people. And so all of these people join in alliance according to verse number one of Joshua chapter number nine. They gather themselves, verse number two, and the purpose of them gathering was to fight with Joshua and with Israel. However, in verse number three, there are these group of people that God has sent me here today to, to tell you about. There was this group of people that decided that they were not going to join these other kings and fight against Joshua. But the Gibeonites decided that they were going to take a different approach. Unbeknownst to Joshua and not completely familiar with the area, the Gibeonites were actually from very close to where they were at at that time. The Gibeonites decided if you can't, fight against them, we'll try to, to, to deceive them and get Joshua and the children of Israel to form an alliance with us. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And so the Bible says that the Gibeonites decide that they're going to put on all of this old clothing and appear to Joshua disheveled, and they've got hardened bread, and, and their story is is that they are going to approach Joshua and tell him, listen, we have come from afar and we, we don't want you to destroy us. Um, we will be your servants and if you'll just take us in and have us, uh, we'll, we'll be glad to do what you need us to do, but we just, we just don't want to be destroyed by you. We want to, we want to come under the umbrella of what's going on with you and in your life. Now, the Bible says that Joshua just kind of looked it over a little bit. And I read to you in verse number 12, I believe it was, in chapter 9, that while they kind of took a few moments to examine the evidence presented to them, that they sought not the Lord.
They didn't ask God about this. They didn't make inquiry. They didn't beseech God. They, they didn't, let me put this in modern day vernacular. They didn't spend any time in prayer about this. Looked good to their eyes. Felt good to their flesh. Let's do this. And a covenant was made. Now, my wife told me to preach the paint off the walls, and I know it's freshly painted, but I'm going to sure give it my best shot here today. No time spent. Now, mind you, there's a reason I started in chapter number eight. Chapter number eight ends with great altar building and great consecration and, and great commitment to the law of Moses. Let me just interject something here. If you think that yesterday's altars, if you think that yesterday's prayer meeting, Now, the Bible says, and there's a lot of scholars that are with me, that, that, that Adam and Eve, that Adam and Eve walk with God in the cool of the day, and there's a lot of scholars that agree with how I feel, and that would have been in the morning time. Ladies and gentlemen, it was Eve that was deceived and beguiled at a tree by a serpent, and as far as I can tell, she had been in early morning prayer. Now, I don't know this for sure. All I can tell you is I have been a studier of patterns of people, and I think sometimes it's a fallacy in our flesh. Well, I, I prayed about that, or I sought God about this. Let me just, let me just proclaim this for, to you, and, and it's going to get good before we get finished here, but I got a, f a few things to address. Let me tell you the greatest weapon that people, the people of God have. I love praise and worship. I love dancing and doing the twirly bird and running the aisles, and ladies and gentlemen, the greatest weapon that we have is the ability to take things to God in prayer. In fact, I believe that David, if he could come and manifest himself today in this service, that the psalmist David would help me. He was a worshiper. He was a praiser. He was a man after God's own heart. But I also see through the life of David and the ups and the downs and the successes and the failures. Ladies and gentlemen, David's life exemplifies this. As long as David is seeking God about things, come on, he's safe. But when you quit taking things to God, our greatest weapon is being able to get God involved in everything. Now, I'm not going to tiptoe tip through the tulips. There's some things that are already in motion that God sent me here to speak to. But I also believe that there are some things, come on, that God could stop the train wreck today if you'll open your ears and hear the man that he sent you. I'm not here by accident. I'm not here because I couldn't be somewhere else. I'm here because God sent me, and I want somebody to understand me. You better pray about that. You better take that to God, you better spend some time in prayer. Now, oh boy, am I doing okay? All right, I like, I like it when you tell me I'm doing good. 
Now, follow me. Gibeon. I can show you this after church. It has two meanings. Watch. The two meanings of Gibeon. It can mean a cup. It's a bottle. I get that. But it's a cup right now. A cup. Sister Mayo, the second meaning of Gibeon is not just a cup. It's something that's lifted up. When I read that, it struck fear all the way down in my toes. Do you know the greatest chance of death in Bible days, the greatest opportunity to be assassinated was through a poison cup? You know how I know this? Anybody ever heard the name Nehemiah? Do you know that Nehemiah, before he ever was a wall builder, You know, Nehemiah's job was before the, before the king would take the cup of wine and before he, would, before he would allow the contents to course through the back of his throat and into his digestive system, Nehemiah's job was to take the cup before it was given to the king and in, in, inspect, investigate Come on, through eyes, through his five senses, he would smell. He would swirl the wine in the cup. And it was his responsibility to make sure that the cup that was lifted was not poisoned. You hear this preacher right now, and I can tell you this at 40 year, 41 years old, and if you listen close enough, Kyle Gazande, there is pain in my voice. Every cup that has been lifted up to me has not been one that I should have drank its contents. God. Too many times the cup looked good. Too many times I made rash decisions. Too many times I was lonely. Too many times I was disappointed and discouraged. Too many times, come on, I was in a hallway and I wasn't there, but I wasn't there. Too many times I was in a faith fog. Too many times I was living in a season of uncertainty and something was just offered to me. Come on, and I took it at face value and I never... And the spirit of Gibeon is to present cups to us in hopes that we just drain. Never smell it. Never investigate. Never swirl it around. The adversary is a deceiver. He's a good one. I tell you, I tell you what deception will do. Go back to Rebecca and Jacob, and it will it will exemplify the spirit perfectly, the spirit of deception. They had the ability through deception to make goat meat taste like venison. That's deception. 
The enemy, listen, Brother Marks, the spirit of Gibeon is still alive and well. Come on, I see marriages. Oh, I'm gonna preach this here today. Come on, I, I did I, this one and did this was not, so I could flow into the fact that this is families, family week or Father's Day. I've seen marriages, and we're willing to do it because that's why we're here. But I wish to God there's a lot of broken things that we wouldn't that wouldn't be left up to us to try to fix. There would be a lot of problems that wouldn't be dropped. In our lap. Come on. Can you do anything with this? Can you put this back together? Can you fix this? If people would spend more time ahead of time with the cup, don't just drink it. Everything that Gibeon offers up, you shouldn't believe it. You got to spend some time in prayer. You got to spend some time on your knees. You got to spend some time at the altar. Well, I'm lonely and she's pretty. Well, I don't want to be an old maid. And he's showing me attention. There's nobody here for me in the church. You know, she goes to another church. She says she's apostolic. The spirit of Gibeon is just this cup that's offered up, and it just comes at the right time. Let me tell you, everything shows up at the right time. Do you think, and I'm not trying to create fear in your heart, but do you understand that God is not the only one that knows how to show up at the right time? In fact, the truth of the matter is, if we're gauging right times, come on, God's not even the one that shows up at the right time because he doesn't show up when we think it's a right. If it's a right time for you, you better be examining what's in the cup. You didn't hear what I just said. Very rarely, very rarely, does God's right time and my right time line up? Very rarely are they one and the same thing. So if something seems like the right thing to you, come on, instead of lifting the cup and drinking its contents, come on, Joshua, what happened to what you were doing in Joshua chapter 8? You better build an altar about this. Come on. Okay, here you are. It's getting harder and harder. If you don't preach tweetable phrases, people don't help you. So here's your tweetable phrase. Turn the plate over before you lift the cup. Oh, that's good preaching. Good preaching. Brother, I, Brother Mayo, I don't feel any more qualified after he did this. But I asked Brother Morton, I said, how old were you guys when you were blazing a trail and impacting people and PSR and all that. And he, he was walking in front of me, and he spun around. And he stuck his finger right in my chest, and he said, we were your age. What are you going to do? 
And there have been some things, Sister Sergeant, in my spirit that I knew the spirit had been pressing me to say, but I don't have enough gray. I've been trying to rub Jared's head on my head so he could impart some of that stuff. I don't know where he gets all that. I guess it's living with Ari. Praise God. I'll stay with my wife. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. I'm meddling now. Young people, marriage is not a contract. Well, well, they said they had a prayer life. Well, they, they said they were tithers. Let me tell you something about Gibeon. Gibeon will say whatever you need Gibeon to say. I'll get in the church. I'll get serious about living for God. But if you were to ask his mother or his pastor or vice versa, her, her pastor or her pastor's wife, she hadn't done squat in six years. But she'll, the spirit of Gibeon will tell you whatever you want to hear. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll get on fire. Oh, I'll get serious. Oh, I'll get... And I'm going to tell you another great mistake you're going to make. God sent me to Spokane with a word. Whether you bounce off the walls of the day or not, I'm going to preach this. And I'm going to bear it all, put it all out there. And I'm going to eat good and I'm going to rest good when I get through doing it. But I'm not, listen, I'm, I, I am talking about marriage and relationships. But I'm not just talking about marriage and relationships between, between a woman and a man or a man and a woman. I'm talking, listen, I'm talking to some young men. I'm talking to some young ladies. I'm talking to some married people. Come on, this is not just about marriage. This is about other relationships. This is about business deals. This is about stuff that, I'm telling you, I've I seen it in the spirit. There is a table of negotiation. I don't know who you're listening to. I don't know what you're entertaining. I don't know what you're considering. But you hear me right now. There is a cup that is being offered to people in this church. And its contents are poison. Well, Brother Marks, what was that second thing God told you at 1 o'clock in the morning? All right, I saved it for right here. If you're in directly, not in the, well, I'll just make it all inclusive. If you're in the music department in this church, I want you to stand right now. Stand. Take it up with God. Bishop. Fix it, rebuke me, clean it up. If you don't feel a witness, the Bible says to judge prophecy, so we're going to put it out there. Let me tell you why David messed with a, bar, with, a, with a bear and a lion, even though it was only one lamb. Because David understood as a shepherd that if he let the lion and the bear have that one lamb, that the next time that bear got hungry, You better hear, I, this is not hyperbole. I feel the fear of God, and it's not caffeine. I feel it so strong, I'm trembling right now. Lions pray in the music department. So many times he's been able to get easy prey. I think it goes back, and it's connected to the fact that Lucifer was a choir leader in heaven. I think it's got some kind of connection to that. 
and somebody better hear me, whether you pick a guitar, whether you lay down the beat, whether you're singing at one of these microphones, whether you're teaching parts, I don't care who it is. You listen to me. I've been part of what God's doing in Cornerstone long enough that I've seen, and you know, I've seen the tragedies. I've seen the lion come in here and snatch people right. And you better hear what the Holy Ghost spoke to me. It won something this morning. That lion is lurking around the edges, and he's looking for somebody else. I heard a saying, Brother Mark, Brother, Brother Mayo, I heard a saying. How did that happen? I didn't see that coming. She was one of our best. He was one of our best. Somebody standing up right now better listen to me. Social media has become a facilitator, and it's made it easy for these spirits to propagate themselves. You better have more in common than you both play music. You better have more in common. Jake, I don't know where you're at, but you better have more than music in common. You better have more than playing drums in common. You better have more than favorite artists. You better have more than that in common because I know what I felt at one something this morning. There are cups being offered up. Come on, this I'm preaching about marriages, but I'm also preaching about relationships across the board. I'm really just preaching about the spirit of Gibeon and the spirit of deception, and I'm telling somebody right now, you got a cup. The Holy Ghost sent me here because you've got a cup. Somebody in this place has got a cup that's being lifted up. Come on. And you, it, you, you may, to your flesh, it may smell right. And to your flesh, it may look, you may like the attention. You may like the affirmation. You may like the friendship. But I'm telling you right now, the, the worst decision that you'll ever make is if you're taking everything for face value and not near enough to your knees. We're taking way too much for face value and not near enough to our Father. For there is a way that seemeth right to man, but the ends thereof are destruction. Come on, it's no coincidence that it came from Solomon's own pen. Lean not to the arm of your own understanding. Cease from mine own wisdom. You quit building those altars and you quit taking things to God. And you limp through on talents and abilities. There's constantly an offered cup. I hate to tell you this, but in loving people, And just like anybody else, wanting the security that comes with relationships, I've shared in somebody else's cup without first taking it to God. And I've let somebody else's bitterness become mine. I've let... I'd never do that to my pastor. I'd never do that to my church. Do you think you're the first one that's ever said that? I don't even know what this means completely. I think it's probably got several meanings, but there's offers on the table right now. You don't have to put up with that. You don't have to live like that. It doesn't take all of that. And people, instead of building an altar, instead of talking to God about it, 
because you're vulnerable right now. You know you're in a dry season. You know you're disappointed. You know, you know you're not where you thought you were going to be five years ago. You're still here, but your life has not unfolded. In fact, you've hit a wall and you're at impasses. You better hear me when you get in those places. I don't care how many successes you've had in the past or lack of successes. We can never stop taking the cups being lifted to us to an altar. Come on, David, you said you were going to pray morning, noon, and night. What would have happened if you had taken the cup of battle? Sheba. I'm 43 minutes. I got to hurry. And the Bible says, Without talking to God, they consumed the contents and went on their way. You can be seated. And you go read it. It's there. Luke 15. I think you know the story. But so many times we don't stop to see this. It didn't take long, Pastor. Within a few days, the prodigal realized he'd done the wrong thing. What do you do? Stick your finger down your throat and try to throw it up? It's gone. What was in the cup could have been poured out in prayer. But instead, because you didn't pray, it was poured in. And Joshua gets upset. This is going to end good today. I promise you, it's going to end good. But you got to hear this because I'm trying, I'm trying to warn people that haven't done it yet. But I've got hope for those that have. In fact, I don't believe there's a greater message of hope on this issue than the one I'm preaching right now. You hear this preacher, you hear what I'm telling you. Joshua wakes up to the fact, I've been deceived, I've been tricked. It didn't take the prodigal but a few days to run out of money and realize that was a dumb thing to do. I shouldn't have went on that trip. I shouldn't have spent time with those people. I shouldn't have went over to their house. I shouldn't have got involved with them. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have let our spirits get intertwined. Come on, I shouldn't have gone to that meeting. I shouldn't have taken that job. I shouldn't have stayed in the office when God offered an opportunity for me to transfer. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have stayed there. I shouldn't have kept drinking coffee with them. I Come on, I'm preaching right now. Come on. It's just a cup of coffee. Boy, the Holy Ghost just put that in my mouth. It's not just a cup of coffee. Somebody better hear this preacher right now. It's got poison in it. Come on. It's the spirit of Gibeon. You've got... I don't want to drink of anything that I don't know where it came from. Be wary of anything that just all of a sudden shows up in your life that appeals to the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And I suffered pain, Brother Gazandi. 
but I'll take it because the persecution and the pain I suffered, I understand is far less than what I would have suffered when that cup was shoved in my face. Oh, here. Boy, it looked right. Brother Mayo, they, they got upset. They, 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 let's just do this now. Let's, let's make this transition now. Let's make this transaction now. No, 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 no. And I knew immediately, Sister Mayo, something was wrong. Come on. When, they, when, 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 when you got something, Satan likes to speed things up because he, listen, listen, he doesn't want you to start checking with his references. He doesn't want you to pick up the Bible and start reading about people who didn't wait on God. So anything that anything you feel this speed, 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 and the people are getting frustrated. They were getting frustrated with me. My, my God, don't you don't you see this is an opportunity? Why won't you do this? Why why won't you take this? Why won't I know? I got to take this cup to prayer. I got to swirl this around in the spirit. I got to smell this in the Holy Ghost. I got to ask God if this is the right thing that I'm supposed to be. Because not, not everything that a man swallows is glory. And Joshua says, we've been duped, we've been tricked. And he takes it to the elders. We're out, we're, we're going we're gonna. And all this, this, this principle surfaces that the elders, and there are certain things, Brother Mayo, and I'm thankful for it, that God, that God, and today's one of those days that God will create a supernatural exit. There are certain things that God will let us out of, and I'm thankful for that. But there are certain things that we get ourselves into that are covenants, and it's not like Sprint, and it's not like AT&T. And, it, and I'm telling you, I know it's my altar to die on. They'll crucify me for it. I understand that. I'm already being talked about. I'll preach it. I know we're live streaming. There's people who's going to have something to say about this. I don't care. But Cody Marks is standing here on this family week, and I didn't look for something to flow into family week. This is what God gave me. Hear this preacher right now, what I'm telling you. Marriage is not like a Verizon contract. Marriage is a covenant. Come on, you don't just get in it, and because you don't like his dirty underwear on the floor, you get out of it. Man, I used to have more help than this at Cornerstone. I, I don't know. Some of you are awake. I don't know what the deal is here right now. <laughs> well, she's got dragon breath. Guess what? Get rid of her and get another one. They all got dragon breath. Smell yours in the morning. You got dragon breath too. I'm trying to put some peel about around the bread or bread around the peel so it goes down easier. But it's literally that ridiculous. And I feel your spirit already. I feel your spirit. Come on. The first thing I feel is, well, I thought the Bible said that there was an exception. Why does everybody want to always jump to what the exception is? I think the exception should be, come on, we worked it out. We forgave. We found a way. God helped us. For the sake of our kids, for the sake of the church, for the sake of the... 
There's great marriages in this place right now. You hear what I'm telling you? God has made me privy of these things. Not because I've been married long enough to be qualified. God's qualified me to say this. Those marriages are in 40 and 50 years because they never had a disagreement. Well, I've heard people say, well, we just fell out of love. You didn't fall out of love. You fell out of forgiveness. Why don't you grow up and learn to get along with one another? Why don't you grow up and quit being a baby? biggest reason why there's divorces in the church. Think about this. Really, come on, stop and think about this, how ridiculous this sounds. Irreconcilable differences? Please. We want the Holy Ghost when it comes to being blessed. Woo! We want the Holy Ghost when it comes to getting a raise on the job. Woo! Glory. See my bow tie. Bought a Honda, should have bought a Honda. We want the Holy Ghost. Come on, when it comes to cancers being cured. We want the Holy Ghost. Come on, when it comes to a new job. We want the Holy Ghost when it comes to a new house or upgrading to a new car. But the Holy Ghost was not just given to us. Come on, for blessing. The Holy Ghost was given to us to help us work through things and work things out and forgive one another and put things on the altar. Well, Mark's been evangelized for 23 years. Why has he never pastored? I'm going to tell you why I've never pastored. Because <laughs> the way I preach, I'd split a church seven ways from Sunday in the first weekend. Praise God. <laughs> My God, there's 10 good churches in Spokane after he left. Praise God. <laughs> Thank God for the gentleness of a shepherd. But I, I've got this to say today. Now, this may hurt, but Sister Mayo, I was shocked. God finally gave me an answer. Brother Mayo, I've been seeking him literally for a couple of years before the pandemic. Why can we not get along? Why is there, why do we struggle with unity in the church? And it took over two years. I guess it took that long for God to get me ready. But I finally realized, and the Holy Ghost finally revealed it to me. We can't get along because the very person that God gave us to help us to learn how to get along with people, we can't get along at home. It's no wonder we can't get along at church. The disunity in our churches is a reflection of the disunity in our marriages. Well, my wife's strong-willed. Huh. I'm the, you're the, I am the wrong person for you to give that sorry, pathetic excuse to. My wife and I made an agreement when we got married 23 years ago that I'd make all the major decisions and she'd make the minor ones. 23 years later, I don't think there's been a major decision yet. Don't you wear the pants? Come on, don't give me that. Don't you know who wears the skirt? No. 
Sister Mayo knows my wife. I don't know a more submitted woman. I say it all the time, she's the greatest Christian I know because I know the nature she has to work with. And if I say this is what we're going to do, if I told her, pack your bags, we're going to Australia tomorrow, she'd go. But I'm telling you, marriages don't, marriages don't work because we see eye to eye on everything. And I'm sorry, your mama did you an injustice by always giving you your way. But you can't make marriages work that way. And there for my hour. And so I got a couple of minutes here to finish this because I promised you it was going to finish good. Joshua, you can't get out of it. It's a covenant. Brother Marks, why are you preaching this today? Because somebody in this building, if you spend as much time trying to figure out how to stay as you spent trying to figure out how to get out, there's a spirit. There's a spirit on somebody in this building, and you're trying to figure, way out, figure out a way to sabotage your marriage, and you're already laying the groundwork so you think you have excuses once it comes out. There's chapters, Bishop, in the Bible that should have never had to be written. And I'm going to make a couple more what sound like despairing remarks before I get into the good stuff that you're licking your lips and waiting on. The fact of the matter is, though, the sun did stand still. And Joshua 10 is one of the greatest miracles that ever happened in Scripture, and I'll close with that. But the fact of the matter is, Joshua chapter 10 should have never happened. Go read it when you get home. That battle Joshua got himself into because of the Gibeonites. If he had not made a covenant and an alliance with the Gibeonites, if Joshua had not, if Joshua had not taken the contents of the cup without spending time in prayer. The fight in Joshua chapter 10 was because of the Gibeonites and Joshua got himself in that position because of covenants that he made without conversation with God. Brother Marks, you're telling me I can't get out of this? I'm telling you, it's time to move on, and you realize, instead of trying to get out of it, you got to figure out how to get God in it. And I need my shouters to get ready to shout. I'm going to say it again. Instead of trying, there's some things you can get out of. And I believe God's given somebody some, a space of grace here today to get out of it before you get in covenant. But if you're already in covenant, I'm preaching to somebody. Come on, instead of getting out of it, you got to figure out a way to get God in it.
So when Joshua, boy, I feel Holy Ghost starting to well up in here right now. When Joshua realized I can't get rid of the Gibeonites, you know what Joshua said? Then Gibeonites, you're going to serve the house of God. You know what you do to make good of Gibeon? When you realize you're stuck with a Gibeon decision, you have to make up in your mind, we're going to live for God. We're going to bring our kids to church. We're going to be prayer warriors. We're going to be givers. We're going to be sacrificers. Don't tell me that you're concerned about your kids and concerned about your marriage and concerned about who you married. Listen, when you're constantly taking over time, don't tell me you need the money. You're trying to escape the reality of the issue. Don't tell me you're concerned about your marriage when t-ball practice is more important to you and your kids than Tuesday night midweek service. He said, all right, Gibbon, we made a covenant, so I can't kill you. So you're going to serve the house of God. And then here's Joshua 10, and I'm closing. Joshua, it's beside the fact now. He didn't ask God. Gibbon's got him in this deal. I'm here to preach faith into somebody's spirit. Brother Marks, this hadn't been very uplifting. I forewarned you I had to trudge through that to get to this. God is a God of redemption. And I don't know a better story to preach to you than the one I'm going to close with right now. Elam Hoshatakayalamaya. Elam Hoshatakayalamaya. Joshua's got himself in Joshua 10 in a situation because of the covenant he made with the Gibeonites. And Joshua is in a bind. And the Bible says that Joshua realized, if we are going to win this battle, if we are going to win this battle, God, I need intervention. I know I should have got you involved before I got involved with Gibeon. But I got Gibeon now, God. And so I need you to get involved with me and Gibeon. And the Bible says, and the Bible says, that Joshua said, God, I need you to let the sun to set still, but not just the sun to set still. Lord, I need the sun to stand still over Gibeon. I want to preach to somebody here today. If you've got your mind made up to do what's right, God in his mercy will give you a supernatural miracle even on Gibeon, even on Gibeon. Hallelujah. Brother Marks, I got my ba- myself in a bad situation. Brother Marks, I did something five years ago. Brother Marks, I should have listened to Brother Mayo. If you're listening to me here right now, I don't ever do this. But if you're watching me, I'm telling you, quit living in condemnation and guilt. Get yourself to this church. God will let the sun stand still over Gibeon if you'll open your mouth and start talking to him. God, 
even, even on Gibeon. Brother I should have got God involved. I'm preaching against the spirit of condemnation right now. I'm all about conviction, but condemnation is diabolical. Conviction, there's hope you can get out of it. Condemnation, it's the hopelessness that you're gonna die there. I'm preaching to somebody right now that if God will let the sun stand still, come on, for for Joshua at Gibeon, I got a word of hope from somebody. Maybe you didn't ask God before, but if you'll get God involved now, God will work a miracle for you. God will work a miracle for you. God will help you with those kids. God will help you. Just a keyboard player, I'm done. Son, stand still. It's almost like I hear him in pain say, even, even on Gibeon. I know I should have got you involved in this before. Sis, there is nothing to hang your head over about the mistakes you've made in the past. I listened to you sing today, and I said, look at there. That's the sun shining on Gibeon because that's God and his merciful way. Come on. Because when you came here, there were things you couldn't get yourself out of. You you already, you had the consequences of choices that you made without God. Come on, but you know what? His future's gonna look different. If God tarries, the future of your grandchildren's gonna look different. God has you a godly husband. The sun, the sun will shine on Gibeon. You don't know how big my problem is. The sun is 864,000 miles across. Brother Marks, you don't know how big my Gibeon is. You can can fit 1.3 million earths inside of the sun. Brother Marks, you don't know how difficult my marriage is. The sun's always moving at 40,000 miles per hour. Brother Marks, you don't know how big this situation is with my children. The circumference of the sun is 2.7 million miles. 1.3 million earths will fit in it. I have big problems. Bigger than the sun. Can we be Spokane now? I don't have any more gut punches to give you. Some of you are a little timid to get excited because you feel like I'm going to uppercut you again. I've thrown all the gut punches I'm going to throw. I don't have any more. So you can get on and help me right now. I'm not here to make you cry here today. I'm here to get you excited over the fact. Come on. But you don't know how big a deal this is. Bigger than the sun. You don't know how many years I've been dealing with this. Longer than the sun. You don't know how involved this is. 
I don't think God can work this out. Even God made the sun to stand still. Somebody shout it with me. Even. Oh, that you're not convinced yet. I'll preach another hour. I don't really want to. I need somebody to shout even like you believe it. Even. Well, they've done everything right. Come on. The problem is not believing that God will do this for the person in front of you. Well, they've been raised in the church. Well, they've been in this four generations. Well, they didn't make the mistakes that I've made. Let me tell you, the sun doesn't just stand still for people. Come on. None of us have done everything right. If you want me to be quite frank and honest with you here today. But I'm telling you, don't let Satan convince you that there's only certain people that God will let the sun stand still for. You know who God... I'll tell you who God will do it for. This poor man cried. This poor man cried. And the Lord delivered him out of all. Somebody shout all. Even. Shout even. Is the miracle that God made the sun stand still? No. Any of us who've made bad decisions, the great miracle is that God's willing to get in the middle of messes that I make. To me, that's bigger than the sun standing still, is that the pure, holy God, if asked, I didn't ask him before. So I got all this to deal with. Okay, you got all this to deal with. Are you going to keep doing what you did before to get all this to deal with? Or are you going to reverse and change what you did before to get all this to deal with and start dealing with this a different way by getting him involved? Okay, God, I got the kid. I need you to help me get involved with the kid. Okay, God, I got the situation. I... It's too difficult. He made the sun stand still. My God, I wish I was 25 to preach this how I feel like preaching it right now. It's too involved. He made the sun stand still. It's too complicated. He made the sun stand still. There's too many people. It involves too many, involves too many people. He made the sun stand still. It's got age on it. He made the sun stand still. It stinks by now. He made the sun stand still. There's no way out of this. He made the sun stand still. Come on. I'm discouraged. I'm disappointed. He made the sun stand still. I need my... I need my people to help me right now. He made the sun stand still. Somebody shout even. Even. And Joshua threw his hand. Here's another part about this I like. He throws his hand up and says, well, Brother Marks, I don't know how to get God involved. You don't have to know how to get him involved. 
You just have to start trying to get him involved. You that made A, A's in science and I didn't, the sun doesn't stand still. You know what that means, Brother Sergeant? Joshua didn't even know what he was talking about. But God knew what he was talking about. I don't know how to pray. I'm going to tell somebody right now, not knowing how to pray is no excuse to not pray. I'm just telling you to pray. If all you know to say is Jesus, say Jesus. If all you know how to do is say oh, say oh. If all you know how to do is say oh, do something you just got to get God involved and if you get God involved and here it is ready hundreds someone say hundreds hundreds of years later stand I'm finished after the Babylonian captivity brother Mayo the temple's destroyed Anybody want to take a guess? Who took the place of the Levites to start doing all the work in the temple? You ready? Hundreds of years later. This is what you're setting in motion by getting God involved. Hundreds of years later. They rebuild it after Babylonian captivity. The Gibeonites. Woo! The Gibeonites. Hundreds of years later were the next group to start doing all the work in the temple. And the Gibeonites became a God-fearing people. What I'm telling you right now, I'm telling somebody what you felt like was going to be an ongoing problem, what you felt like was going to haunt you the rest of your life. I'm preaching Holy Ghost to somebody right now. If you'll get God in Gibeon, if you'll get God in Gibeon, God will turn that marriage around. God will turn that situation around. God will... Even on Gibeon. God wants to work a miracle. You just got to figure out how to get God in Gibeon. I don't know what to say. Well, neither did Bartimaeus. The best he could do was, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. 
Come on, and there's always that pressure. It's too late, baby. You're blind. Boy, I feel this right now. I'm trying to close, but I feel something bubbling up right now. It's too late, man. You're blind. Come on, your daddy's blind. Come on, your family's alcoholics. You come from a long line of losers. It's in your DNA. It's in your genetics. Come on, come on, quit crying. Quit worshiping. Quit going to that church. You're never going to bend the moral arc. This is a genetic thing. I'm not here to preach about genetics. I'm here to preach about Jesus. And if you get Jesus, if you get Jesus in Gibeon, Bartimaeus, your dad's blind, man. Come on. Quit living in condemnation. Quit living in the regrets of making decisions without getting God involved. Have the guts, have the gall, have the audacity to say, I know God, I should have done this before. But I'm doing it now. Oh, God. Son, stand still. You may think you know where this is landing tonight or this afternoon. There may be obvious targets. But there's stuff in here that'll surprise you. And I'm glad we don't know everything. I'm glad God will cover for Judas right up to the end, hoping that he'll get his act together. But the Holy Ghost revealed to me there's some precious stuff that's just hanging by a frayed thread. <laughs> but if we can get God in Gibeon today... The Lord said, I want to do miracles. I want to do miracles in the middle of messes. Known messes, unknown messes, public messes, private messes. In fact, I'm not even going to hang the dirty laundry out today. I'm going to make this easy. I want us to come down here. I want us to come down here in families. But let me give you some instructions. Don't leave single mothers. Don't leave single young people. Don't. I, this church is good at this. I don't want people by themselves. You know who your adopted families are. We're all one big family. But you know who, who has uh, the, your spiritually surrogate parents. You know who those people are. You get with them. I'm going to make this easy today. Nobody's got to be embarrassed. You live in enough condemnation. God wants to do a miracle. God wants to sure something up. God wants to tighten something up. God wants to do a sun standing still miracle. You got to work it. You got to work with what you've got. I'd like to get out of this. There's some things God lets us get out of, and there's some things that are covenants. And you don't get out of them, you get God into them. You get God into them.
I started to apologize for being different, but I'm, I'm gonna, I think it's time for me to stop doing that. I was on the phone a couple of months ago with a backslider that I love very much. And he's a lot of things, but dishonest is not one of them. He's made a lot of mistakes. It had been a long time since I talked to him, and I'd been under a burden, and I called him, and he's had multiple marriages now, multiple kids by different women. Brother Mayo, several times while preaching, his face keeps coming to me. I want to tell a man in this place, you got it a whole lot better than the enemy wants you to believe that you have it. You have first an obligation. You have a commitment. You made a covenant. I shouldn't even have to be, well, I feel something on me right now. I shouldn't even have to be telling you. I shouldn't even have to be warning you about the contents of the cup. Because when you're already in a covenant marriage, you shouldn't even be entertaining a cup. I would never embarrass, I would never expose him, ever. I wish there was a way I could play back because I'm certain you could hear, would hear the pain and the regret in his voice. He lost everything. And the whole time pointing his finger at his wife Never, never pointing. And multiple marriages later and children by multiple women later, all those years later to hear this, the pain in his voice when he told me, I just wish I had known then what I had. shame on them and I know this stuff here you get put in a position of 20 seconds being snipped and canceled and thrown all over everything and God forbid that but Christian counselors are not they need, a, they need to cut that garbage out of their material being dismissive about the, the effects of divorce and I've read it in their garbage and I've heard it in their podcast. Well, you know, children are resilient. It's a bunch of garbage. They need to throw that junk out. It does something in a child.
Roe Mars, what are you going to do? There's people here today that's been divorced. I'm, listen, I'm just telling you what I'm telling you. We're, we're going from right here going forward. That's all I know how to tell you. But I'm telling you, the spirit of divorce is rampant, not just in this world, it's rampant in our churches. Look at me. Look at me. And I, I'm not going to preach G. You live in an X-rated world. Okay? One of the reasons people are jumping into marriages is because of how quick they jump in the bed. we got kids in here. I'm going to be couth. But there's a reason we date. There's a reason there's courtship. We're finding out things about one another. How can two walk together except they agree? You go study that verse. There's a lot of talking that's going on before they ever start down the path. They know where they're headed. They know what each other loves and desires before they even start down the path. is not like buying a car. Marriage is a holy, sacred thing. There's a reason we fight for the sacrecy of marriage is because we believe it mirrors. It's a, it's, it's a reflection of our relationship with God. People treat it so flippantly. I don't know where you're at here today, but if I could plead with somebody and there's witnesses here and I don't want them to, to be embarrassed, but I wish you would take up some of these young girls. Take them up. Take them under your arm. There's a hundred things worse than being lonely. And the thing that excites me in the middle of this sober moment is like I feel God going. He's like a little fidgety kid. He's just wanting so bad for somebody to let him into this. Just let me get my hands on this. 
Just let me put my spirit on this. Just let me get my arms around this. Just let me get my mouth and my words in this. It's too big, Brother Marks. And the sun stood still. You got to make it work. And, 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 and Dave, there's, there's just too many people who won't be transparent. And I'm going to be transparent. You don't have a beautiful marriage because of the absence of problems. I'm telling you right now, and she may be watching. I don't, I don't care. Call her. I don't care. I, I have a better marriage than anybody in this building. But I'll tell you how to spell it. It's hard work. She's always telling me, you better not, I die, you better not marry something. I ain't even going to get into everything she says. I tell her, Brother Sarge, you can forget that. I ain't going through 23 more years of this to get to where this is at today. I ain't tinkering with this. God, if you kill her, you just go ahead and kill me too. I don't argue with her anymore. It takes too much energy to argue. You don't get roses without thorns. There's no power without pressure. And just like pressure is what powers that steam, that steam engine down the tracks, it's the pressure in a marriage. It's a, the pressure in a marriage. If both people are continuing to give themselves to one another and giving themselves to him. what I'm preaching here today they gave you they gave you the clinical stuff this week I'm giving you the spiritual stuff this week I'm telling a wife let him up I'm going to look at that back wall because I know somebody I'm talking to right now specifically let him up you can't hold stuff over people's heads you can't hold grudges I know what the Holy Ghost spoke to me. He said, I'll fix it today. I'll get in, I'll get in Gibeon if I'm asked. And I'll do wonders. Get him in Gibeon. And we're going to pray one more time. And I want you to pray with fervor and with fire. And I want you to pray with urgency. Someone say urgency. We've got to pray with urgency today. And as you pray for your family, maybe everything's great with you. But I want you to feel the burden of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to pray that God would let the sun stand still. Even on Gibeon connect all over this building lift your voice and pray right now come on
Come on, sir. Let your kids, let your kids hear you petitioning God. Come on, fathers, it's Father's Day. Let your kids, let your wife hear you crying out to God. Come on. There's a miracle here for somebody. There's a son standing still miracle here for somebody. Come on, he needs a father that'll cry out. He needs a mama that'll cry out. Come on, he needs somebody to lift their voice. Fix it, Holy Ghost. Fix it, Holy Ghost. Fix it, Holy Ghost. Well, this is not the way I imagined it. Come on. Marriage is what you make it. Marriage is the work. You get out of it what you put into it. Come on. You got to make an investment. You got to try to, you got to stop trying to figure out a way to get out of it. You're trying to divest. You stop investing and you're trying to divest. Don't be a freezer. Let him do it. Men, I want you to get a hold of your wife right now in, in, a, in a gentle way, by the shoulders. Get a hold of your wife. If your wife said, get a hold of her in a, in a gentle but a firm way. Now, it's 1.30, it's 1.40. We got places to go, family to spend time with things to eat but I'm telling you there is a spirit of division that want, that's on the that's about right to divide homes and divide families divide people in this church I'm telling somebody right now you keep having a reoccurring problem with somebody else in this church and I'm telling you I'm trying to be a preacher of pathology. I'm not going to treat symptoms. Your problem's not with that other family in this church. Your problem's in your own house. You keep pointing your fingers at this preacher. And I'm telling you, every time I've seen people that have a problem with the preacher and they get bitter and start attacking the ministry, is because they don't have their own house in order. And so because they, because they will not bishop their own home, they attack the bishop. Now I'm telling you what I feel in my Holy Ghost. There's some men that need to pray with fire.
with fire. There's some men that need to pray with fervor that's greater than your frustration. The screaming and the hollering's got to quit. The slamming doors and peeling out of driveways, I, see, I just keep God showing me all this. It's got to stop. He's pitting you against one another. I'm telling you more than anything else, Brother Mayo, I deal with when I deal, when I deal with young people, the biggest thing that keeps coming back to me is duplicity. It's when things don't line up. You act one way at church and you act another way when you get in the car on the way home and even on the way to church. And then it, it's when, when there's duplicity, it's dissonance is the word I'm looking for, dissonance. It doesn't ring true. Some of you would make up in your mind you was going to fight the devil the way you're fighting with one another. You would have already whipped this. I'm going to tell you, it's not very fun. Before you start envying us up here, it's not very fun. I feel like I'm standing in the middle of a highway of five, five lanes of traffic coming my direction at 80 miles an hour. I'm just hoping somebody stops. I've never heard anybody say this, but God's given it to me to say it. 41, and I'm going to say it. The marriages I'm seeing destroyed right now are not marriages two or three, four, and five years. <laughs> it's marriages... 20 and 25 and 27 and 30 and they've been married 18 years. They got teenagers and they're giving it up. What? Well, this is not, this is just not what I thought it was. Marks, again, I, I feel this. It's his feedback. Unfaithful, unfaithful. He's been unfaithful. There's an unfaithful, unfaithful issue, Sister Mayo, but the root of the unfaithfulness is we're unfaithful to God. That's the issue. That's the root of it. Please don't tell me. I don't want to know. I don't need to know. I don't preach for somebody to pat me on the back and say that was great. I don't preach for some story of affirmation. But I'm telling you, there is some twisted plot and plan right here under this building. You're co-parenting. It's in this building right now. I know what I felt in my guts. And we're going to get the kids to a certain age, and then we're going to go on our ways. That's sick. Come in here and raise your hands and claim to have the Holy Ghost. 
sleeping in different beds, won't speak to one another. And the sun stood still. <laughs> and I'm being honest on Father's Day. I just pray that I can love my wife. That's a big, that's a big, that's a big thing to ask for us to be so flippant with someone we've lived with for 20 years. Oh, we just do our own thing now. We got separate bank accounts, separate cars, separate jobs. We just go on our own. back a hold of your wife, sir. And I want her to feel your strength. If you've got those people that your surrogate parents do, let them feel your strength. You get a hold of that family. And I'm going to give this to the bishop and he can do with what he wants after this. But I need men on this Father's Day to pray with fire, to pray with fervor and to get God in Gibeon. And I need men to believe there's a sun standing still miracle that's gonna happen in your marriage and in your finances and on your job and with your business and in your life and with your extended family. There's too much estrangement in this world. We're supposed to have the Holy Ghost, folks. We're supposed to have the, the fruits of the Spirit. Come on, men. I'm not going to give you a long runway. I want you to use your voice. Come on. I want men to get a hold of your family. I want to hear men praying on this Father's Day. Come on. Where's the men? Where's the men of Cornerstone? Lift your voice and pray with Holy Ghost authority right now. That's it, sir. I'm hearing I wonder what would happen in your marriage if, if your consecration was as strong as your complaining. I'm talking to you right now, sir. If you were as consecrated as you were critical, I'm preaching to a man right now. If you were as prayerful as you were pouty, if you were as prayerful as you were pity, I wonder what kind of marriage you would have. drum cage. How about it over here? Let's lift our voice, men, and pray. Pray like something's at stake. Pray like something's valuable. Pray like something's valuable to you.
All right. No, pray one more time. Pray one more time. Close your eyes and pray one more time. Something's being healed. Something old. Listen to me. The Holy Ghost is wanting to heal something old. The Holy Ghost is wanting to visit something old right now. I'm talking about something with some age on it. Come on. I'm talking. Come on. Come on. It calluses. Come on. It scabs over. And then something comes by and picks it. God wants to make the wound a scar where there's no infection. There's no more infection. Oh, yeah. You might remember it, but you don't remember it with hate anymore. You don't remember it with animosity. You don't remember it with a grudge anymore.